All right, and welcome for the, what is this, fourth annual <laughs> Halloween Spooktacular uh, with my good friend, Hello, friend I'm of the show, Ross Birdian. Hello, thank you so much for having me on, Eric. Ah, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. Uh, so glad. So you're gonna have to explain the uh, the the costume. I see antlers and roses. Yeah, I, I actually don't really know what this costume is called. Um, I guess I'm a gothic bride because the uh, veil. Oh, it's in my it's face. a black veil bride right there. Yeah. I also, the name so. of a really shitty rock band. So mm -hmm. there you go. <laughs> so they give you some backstory. I've been. I am now. Uh, I am now 27 years old, which is kind of terrifying. But for the past decade, since I was 17, I was a mouse every Halloween. And so I, I had mouse years. And this year, I just decided, you know what? It's it's a new decade. I'm a new woman. I can have a different, um, like, very simple Halloween costume, which involves yeah. just like a, you know, head top and something black. So um, I guess now I'm a gothic bride with deer antlers. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, that works. That works. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go this year for Halloween as my favorite character, the dad, just trying to do his best. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> That's a wholesome character. Hi, Alex. Uh, yes, we got Alex with a hi, Eric, and a hi, Masha. Uh, and of so course, nice. Forest Mommy couldn't be outdone. Hi, Eric, Masha, and Alex. So she had to say hello to Alex in the chat there. Mm -hmm. So hi, that's Alex. always good. Uh, which, by the way, we'll have to announce right now, Forest Mommy gets uh, 15 units of karma. She uh, she hit up the uh, the Twitter tip jar the other oh, day, nice. so I'll have, have to say, give a big uh, thank you for that. So that is very uh, nice of Forest Mommy. That that was very nice of Forest. Forest Mommy is a good mommy. So yes. <laughs> so, Rothbardian, you Hi. were born in Russia. Is that yes. correct? Yes. All right, born in Russia. So you are hip to all of the Slavic terror stories that they told to you as children to keep you in line. So what are some of your favorite ones? And we'll leave the Baba Yaga out because I'm pretty sure that one's up there. Yeah, so I feel like I'm, I am an embarrassment to my culture because I'm trying oh, to no. think of like specific Russian ones. And because like, because <laughs> I, I mean like a lot of, you know, like a lot of Europe is kind of, um, it's all kind of one hodgepodge, right? So like I grew right. up reading the Brothers Grimm, for example, and I yeah. don't know like the Brothers Grimm if how heavily edited that was for the former Soviet Union compared to what they would have in America, right? Because like a lot right. of tales for children, like especially coming from Europe, are very very gruesome, and they're supposed to scare and you know uh, influence behavior. Um, so I don't know um, to to. To be honest with you, like whatever people ask me, oh, like what are tales and stuff from your childhood that are like memorable to you? I'll always reference a book where the crocodile ate the sun. And mm -hmm. my mom will be like, why do you remember like out of all of the books that we had, why do you remember about the crocodile eating the sun? I'm like, I don't know. I just remember well, the, the crocodile ate the sun. That, that um, one stuck with you, huh? <laughs> yeah. But um, but like I, I, I'm honestly other than, you know, like Baba Yaga, like, like, I feel like there are a bunch of like sort of small folk things that you kind of learn and then they're not immediate in my memory. So like, for example, you're told not to eat berries that you don't recognize because of the tale where a boy ate a berry that he didn't recognize and he became a goat. Uh, uh, well, yeah, we don't want to turn into a goat. Yeah. And it's kind of like this, you know, expression, don't eat it, you'll become a goat. But like when you asked me in initially, oh, what are some folktales? I'm like, I'm not sure, right? Because the whole thing about folktales is they get so like um, kind of enmeshed into your culture that you don't right. like 
that they don't go into the folktale uh, like sort of mental bank. They just kind of stay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Brothers Grimm, I mean, they yeah. pretty much just traveled all over Europe and they were just collecting stories as they went. And who knows, like what whatever they were told, if they just kind of added to that stuff uh, or left some stuff out in order to tell the story a little bit better. Yeah. That's kind of like most with humanity. You know, we get we get all these stories passed down through oral tradition. And then, you know, it's like a big giant game of telephone. Who yeah, knows what was actually yeah, said or at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, and I'm trying to think of other stuff. Um, like there, I feel like there are so many tales that are not necessarily gruesome, but probably had like gruesome elements, right? And then they water it down for kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like even like the some of the Brothers Grimm stuff is pretty pretty gnarly. You know, we have yeah. like a you know the Hansel and Gretel. You know, we have the witch out in the woods, and she's like trying to fatten up Hans uh, yeah. to to you know cook him and eat him. You know, <laughs> it was like I was like, so what is the you know what is the what is the the moral of the story here? It's like okay, well, it's you know not be mean to your parents basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun stuff. So I I don't know. It's like the uh, the Slavic stuff. Um, they they have a whole bunch of stuff like the Baba Yaga. I think is yeah, like the more yeah, popularized. Yeah, which is sort of like if you were to ask me about it, like that would be the first one that I would say. But you would actually say it is Baba Yiga, not Baba Yaga. So it's Baba. Yiga. Ah, okay. Yeah. Baba Yiga. Okay, gotcha. And then and then for those of you who don't know, it's this lady that lives in a house on chicken legs, and <laughs> she boils children. Yeah, so very similar to the the Hansel and Gretel. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, right, I think that's sort of the beautiful thing about humanities that we have these common tropes. Mm -hmm. And, right, and it may be just because people, you know, communicate across cultures, or it could be that there is something that is endemic in every culture, or like these themes are, I feel like I get, I'm getting very like Jordan peterson -y here, right? But, there, but <laughs> you know, there, there's just like inherent tropes that will arise in different shapes in every culture. Right, right. It all kind of goes along. It's like uh, I, I recently fell down like a, a language etymology uh, rabbit hole, and uh, they were trying to figure out why like the Ukrainians and some of the Slavic people would never call a bear a bear. Like they had like all of these like different kind of terms. They would say, you know, the, the wolf that goes after honey or they call it the honey wolf or something like this. That and then, so yeah. So they would just say, you know, the, the drooling one, it just, it just kind of like weird stuff like that. And so like uh, in the 1950s, uh, a linguist actually went to the Ukraine to ask them mm -hmm. why they never use the word bear. Cause they do have like a Ukrainian word for bear. And uh, so they had to like go way out uh, away from the cities and everything. And they finally asked like some old farmer, it's like, well, why never did you never use the word bear? And it was like, well, if you spoke the bear's name, then he would appear and then you would have a problem. So it was like, okay, well this, yeah, well, <laughs> it's like well, for thousands which, which of years. Makes, yeah. Which is like, you know, <laughs> internally consistent, right? Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So they would just like come up with this language. Does it kind of like, talk around it and not actually yeah. say the name of it. So I just yeah, thought that was kind funny. of interesting. <laughs> that, that is very funny. And, and it also like, it made me think of, um, so like you, you know, like there's this awesome documentary and I am totally blinking out on the name of it, but I saw it on YouTube, I think maybe like 2017. And it was about people that were talking about sleep like when they wake up in the middle of the night and they feel paralyzed. Oh, yeah. yeah, sleep paralysis. And then, yeah. and then like they imagine a hag that is trying to like sit on their chest 
and like how many people have said the same thing without looking it up beforehand which kind of uh, i think oh, it's yes. really cool like you know sort of like if if people are left to their own de devices and they try to personalize or kind of put into words or into art something that is sort of very primal and emotional and special to them how cool it is that we can sometimes come up to the same like um personification or i'm not sure which words i'm supposed to use i'm not but <laughs> you know yeah so it's been kind of one of those things where you're we're all like trying to give this thing that we're all commonly experiencing a name and you yeah. know there's the an, an actual scientific term that they've actually studied this in real life was just it's that half awake half asleep type thing your body actually does uh, mm -hmm. will put itself into a paralysis to make sure you're not getting up and walking around and it's it's yeah. kind of funny that uh, there's people out there that do sleepwalking and stuff that whatever reason they just don't have that in their brains and mm -hmm. so yeah when yeah, i can imagine you know the 15th century and you're lying awake at night and all of a sudden you can't move and you start thinking you're seeing like dark shadows coming out of the corners of your eyes and yeah. it feels like you can't breathe or you're working yourself up into a panic and you, there's like nothing you can do about it so obviously it's a demon that's doing this so yeah <laughs> You know, it, it makes me so glad I don't have this issue, like what I think, like I'm so glad I don't sleepwalk or sleep talk, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's terrifying. I couldn't even imagine that happening. But uh, yeah. uh, so we got Jason Booth uh, chiming in <laughs> 10 minutes in and nobody has mentioned the paleo <laughs> strategy. strategy. Oh my Thank God. God. Yeah. So I, I, I'm with I, you there, I, buddy. I, I am. I am. I am in so many group chats where people are upset at Pete Quinones, and I'm just like, <laughs> and you like, like so. Yeah, there was like, a there was a few of those going around anti Pete yeah. uh, tweets today, and I was like, oh, I, I was like, oh but, my god, I'm not like, even gonna get in the middle of this. But it's like you know this image of like the you know Britney fan that was crying like leave like leave Britney alone. <laughs> I feel very much of like leave. Pete yeah, alone. leave Pete alone. He's a yeah. beautiful person. You, you, He'll give you, you know, a hug if you if you ask him. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, look. I actually, I I think it's really funny. Like, out of all of the people that I've met from our sphere, Pete was mm -hmm. the only one for whom I felt like an anxious fangirly thing. So <laughs> I saw him at Porpoise, and, and I was like, "Would you? Would you like some animals?" <laughs> right. Yeah. Just kind of hide around you. So just come here. It's fine. You know. Yeah. I guess there's just no other way to ask that without being awkward. It's like, can I get you high via brownie? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had like gummy bears for pork fest, and I realized I like passing out gummy bears a lot more than I like actually consuming them. So, um, <laughs> uh, so Ross Birdian yeah. is actually uh, is actually Joey Diaz in disguise. We've been fooled this whole time. <laughs> no. She's actually a very fat Cuban guy. <laughs> I feel like a fat Cuban guy. Hey, we are onto fat stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. No, here we go. I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, but it's um. So I I. I would actually say this, Peter always have a special place in my heart because he was the one whose podcast pushed me over from like a basic libertarian into an anarchist. I, oh, I, I spent a long time as a basic government bad type of like libertarian. And it's not that I was ever like explicitly a anarchist. I just never considered anarchy, right? Right. And, and, and so, like, I listened to a lot of Molyneux, and I was like, the state is bad, the state is bad, the state is bad, right? Yeah. And then, like, Pete was going, my tip over the iceberg, because he talked about anarcho capitals, like, okay, well, the state is bad, so no state is good, right? Yeah. And so he'll always have, like, a, you know, 
special place in my heart as a person that pushed me over the edge for that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I can probably credit uh, a few people uh, on that one. That's uh, Molyneux played a big part because he had the uh, the story of our enslavement, yes. uh, which which was a big one. I, I can actually play that one for normies, and they kind of get it. They're just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I mean, that's maybe not as crazy as I thought it was, you know, because they 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 get this word anarchy like mixed up with chaos, yeah, and then like all of a sudden it's yeah. it's it's football pads and mohawks on on motorcycles in the desert, you know, because mm-hmm. they've had the Mad Max movies and everything else. So yeah. it's always just kind of fun. It was like, no, we could do this by ourselves. You know, we don't yeah. need like this overarching government that's, you know, literally telling you how much water your toilet can flush. Not yeah. that that wasn't even in Joseph Stalin's wettest dreams to to live, <laughs> you know, to yeah. regulate how much water your toilet flushed. Yes. Whether or not water got to your toilet in the first place was a different matter altogether. (laughs) So I had actually wanted to ask you, how long did you um, spend in the phase between like libertarian government bad and sort of more anarchy, like no government even Uh, better? So now we're interviewing the interviewer. I love it. I'm (laughs) having a conversation with a friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a... I've always been a little more anti-government ever since, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 1990, the 1990s when I was in high school, because we got uh, the Waco siege, uh, we got Oklahoma City, and like all of the all of the stuff, uh, we pretty much watched the news with this jaded eye. It was like, oh, sure, you know, there's white supremacists out in the woods, and they, they blew up this thing on purpose, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, it's not at all, you know, because of the siege where you'd burned 70 people alive, you know, over, yeah. you know, something that was maybe construed as an automatic weapon that you could never actually prove. Uh, yeah. So I was always kind of like a little bit leery of government. Uh, and then, you know, I did the stupid thing and joined the army and then, <laughs> you I mean, know, if there's anything to like radicalize you, it would be going deeper into the system, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was that, I mean, that's very true because uh, we were doing a, a field training exercise and, you know, the drill sergeant thought he'd be really funny the way we were practicing on how to take prisoners. And uh, he was like, yeah, just, I want you guys to yell, uh, I'm an American and I have rights. And, you know, mm-hmm. my hands shot up. It was like, drill sergeant, when would we ever be capturing American citizens? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, without missing the beat and completely serious look on his face, not joking about it whatsoever. And he was uh, talking about the 93 riots at the time. He goes, remember that shit that happened in Los Angeles a few years ago? Yeah, one day they'll beg for us to be in a city. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. All right, yeah. I'll just you know bow out gracefully and capture my uh, entry level separation and get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here. Yeah, and then just ever since then, it's always been you know I've you know what's the point of voting that type of stuff. I had a brief little dalliance with the Constitution Party because that's kind of where you end up first, yeah. right? It's like oh, if they were only following that Constitution, that everything would be so much better. And then you just kind of realize it's just a giant Republican circle jerk, and then you just get out of that. Yeah. You know, stop off at libertarianism for a little bit and then you kind of hear like some of the backstories and side conversations at the uh, 2018 convention and then you're like eh, no 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 these guys are like mostly feds there's just yeah. there's just no way yeah and it, it, it does make me sad to think like do i know any feds do i know any people that i interact with like locally that are you know, because and right, and, and, and I feel like oh, really you're in Massachusetts. Yeah. I mean, that's the literal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the right. haven yeah. for all feds. Right. Like even the mobsters up there are fed up. So, <laughs> and, 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 and I feel like the beautiful thing here is that, like, 
I will pat myself on the shoulder for this. Like I began community organizing and not in like, I want to change politics way, just in like, I am lonely, play board games, you know, like, <laughs> right. And then because you begin meeting up with people, you get to learn about other groups, right. And, and you know, to be honest with you, since like, since the lockdowns began, my social life in, even though I live in a blue city in a blue state, my social life are either like libertarians or like sort of libertarian friendly conservatives mm-hmm. right and it's a beautiful network of people um but like you do wonder sort of uh like you really do hope that nobody you've been close to is a fed or um but at the same time i kind of laugh at it right because i've been accused of being a fed myself right and, and, and so and you just want to be like i'm not a fed i'm, I'm just lonely and i get fired <laughs> up about stuff you know but, right well, I, that, it's hard to take it seriously after you've been accused. Yeah, yeah, you've been accused of being a Fed so many times because you know you're the, the female on the internet, and that's. Uh, but it's, but it's but it's but it's also like you've done surveys for a tiny marketing agency in California about right. people that like freedom. I'm like, yes, about girls that post about traveling on Instagram. Like those are categorized as freedom lovers, right? Yeah, and it and it's like Masha hosts meetups to survey libertarians like i host meetups because i'm lonely right (laughs) um but there is no way to talk yourself out of it it's just more of like you know sort of like when you when you have been accused of being a fed in a serious way and you've been boxed etc and your workplace or like sort of um is posted online etc like every time somebody else is accused of being a fed i'm like (laughs) you know like uh sure maybe it is it's like the boy who cried wolf, kind of. Yeah, yeah so back to folk tales. Like it, it's a boy that cried wolf. <laughs> I think that we yeah. are so used to throwing around word fed, but it does make you wonder, right? Because it's like it's you. On on one hand, if the feds are assigned somewhere, it would be our ilk, but also I think our ilk isn't doing anything important enough for the feds to be interested in, which is good and bad. Right. Yeah, so uh, Alex had a had a question yeah. here. I wonder that too, Masha. Who is disingenuous and in infiltrating the movement? Yeah, I don't know. Right, yeah. and it, and it, and it's like I I feel like at some point, you know, like people will talk about other people on Twitter and say, "Oh, this is too good to be true," or like this person is too glowy, or or when people say, "Well, this person spends all this time online," I'm like, right. Well, a lot of us have like you know computer pajama jobs where we sit and tweet and occasionally do some work um yeah i mean that's that's the norm i I, i've been into like really busy offices before and sure enough there's going to be a lull in something and you can like quickly just open the phone fire out a few tweets and then forget about it for an hour or two so yeah and yeah you know like it's um right you know like you go to you go to protests you meet people and you wonder but but at the same time like I, I feel like if I ever seriously begin thinking, oh, who's a fed, I would feel like I'm, I hope I will never do that because it means I'm too full of myself, right? Right. Yeah, I've, I've often joked, but I'm yeah. sort of serious at it. I just kind of view everyone that I interact with as a fed. It's just, <laughs> it's like at, at some point they're going to get you in the, uh, at the interrogation room yeah. and you know, who knows what they do to lean on you to get you to, to squeal. So, yeah. <laughs> So everyone has the potential to be one, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. And it's and it's also like I feel like at some point all of us make ourselves public enough, right? That um, 
yeah. at some point you kind I mean, of give it up. It's my know? real face, you know. Yeah, same. Like, it's my real face. The internet knows my first name. 175 libertarians in Massachusetts know my address. Yeah. Um, yeah, I if, if my, you wanted yeah. to be found, they, they yeah. could find you, right? Yeah, I got my face to Washington Post because I was protesting with a sign saying tyrants have addresses. Yeah, that's uh, probably one of the better signs out there, and I'm, I'm yeah. glad you got a little bit of pushback for it because that means somebody was at least paying attention to it. Yeah, but but all, but 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 it's like it's this fine line between being like, yeah, I made a spicy sign. I went to a school board meeting with my sign. I don't people right. with my sign, right? And then your friend sends you a screenshot of the Washington Post with your face <laughs> out of being like, "Tired, how it dresses," and you're like, "Okay, okay, okay. Let's just hope nobody sees this, right?" <laughs> and people on Twitter begin tagging you, and you're like, "No, no, no. Like, this is too much, you know." <laughs> So yeah, like, like I want to do my spicy side, but I want to uh, just, just, just a little bit, just you know, I don't want to undo my whole life yet. <laughs> yeah, I've accidentally doxed myself so many times. Uh, you know, by uh, I was an elector for Gary Johnson, so my full name was in the paper mm -hmm. as one of Gary Johnson's electors. Oh. Uh, I've like posted stuff with my full name. I've practically given away my address. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a picture I took of my dog, and on her tag has my <laughs> cell phone number in case yeah. that she runs off. Yeah. And so I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get calls. I just know it." Yeah. You know, and, I and sometimes I do get like strange calls that have like no caller ID and nobody answers. So I'm just like, okay, somebody somebody found the picture. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, after I've been doxxed, I got a lot of phone calls and a lot of people contacting me out of the blue, and I was uncomfortable. But also, I was like, you know, like I, I was upset about it on principle, but it's also kind of you know, like it was bound to happen at some point. I'm pretty public. It is also to to be honest, you share so much. If you wanted to find me, you could easily find me. Um, yeah. Um, but but I have once posted my phone number on Twitter when I was arguing with somebody, and afterwards, I was oh, like, don't oh, post it on pretty... Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but I did, right? But I did, but I posted it, and and Hines was like, "That's pretty stupid." But I also have refused to take it down because I was like, "You can call me and talk to me about this, right?" <laughs> and then just on principle, because I'm stubborn and petty, I refuse to take it down. I try not to ever, you know, delete whatever I post. Out of principle, a Russian that is stubborn and petty. No yes, way. Yes. Yes. No way. Basically. No way. Yes. Holding holding life grudges. Nah. Just... No. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, my phone number is easy to find. Like you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like I said, I've, I've practically just doxed myself yeah. just with over the years of just carelessly posting stuff. You know, with sometimes I was like, let me take a look at that picture again. Okay, no, I need to take this one down because yeah. it has mystery address on it. And it's also kind of, you know, it, it can be kind of a freeing feeling once you realize, like, I've already have dug myself in, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, I'm well-armed, so there's that, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it gets really kind of funny, uh, just how, it, just the depths that people will sink. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to call your boss and get you fired. I was like, great, me and my boss have a great relationship. We talk about yeah. 4chan and being old fags all the time. Good luck, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's not going to happen, folks. It's not going to happen. You're not going to you're not going to sneak up on me at any point. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. which is a good place to be in, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a, uh, you know, I don't really worry about it too much. Uh, 
I pretty much just say whatever I'm going to say online. Yeah. Uh, there are some stuff that I do kind of censor myself with. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm, this one's a little bit too spicy. I I'll keep that one to myself. You get me drunk enough in person, I'm, I might say it. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a wild ride so far. So, but yeah, uh, for the most part, when I go out in public, you know, I have a taxationist theft sticker on my car, yeah. which has caused me some problems with uh, LA DOTD workers. Sorry. <laughs> took, took exception to it. Uh, sometimes you'll get like kind of like a weird look. It was like, what do you mean? And then maybe you get like a little conversation going that way. The, some of the shirts that I wear, you know, I have a big middle yeah. finger that says, this is my permit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that always gets thing. So, yeah. So like uh, once you get doxxed out, the only way to respond is to lean it into it. You can't eliminate mm -hmm. the info. So why don't make it a big deal about it? Your reaction is all that they really want. So, yes. like, so Very like, true. Actually, so like actually when I got doxxed, well, it initially was on a discord and then it went into Twitter, but on the discord, I was like, if you want to mail me gummy dicks, here's my poem address. <laughs> Right. So I was like, okay, yeah. you know, like, um, so I, I did partially like lean into it and gave it credit. Cause I'm like, I think this is really shitty behavior, but also at, at the same time, I'm like, my home address is really easy to find. Yeah. And as I've said, over 170 libertarians in Massachusetts, know where I live. Yeah. And in Boston itself is not that big of a city. I mean, once no. you think about it, I mean, there's a lot of people there, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of got the yeah. same thing with uh, New York. It, it's a very big city, but it kind of feels like a small town yeah. because everyone talks, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, so I would actually differentiate Boston from New York quite a lot because I feel like, so, okay, because I grew up in a really big, so I, I grew up in Moscow, right? Moscow is really big. New York, yeah. Chicago are really big. Boston is not actually that big. Like Boston and, you know, San Francisco, like, look like I can walk through the entire city of Boston in like, I don't know, like if I'm going right to downtown, I could walk an hour and a half to downtown and hour like, you, you, you know, like it, 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 it's really walkable city. It's, it, it's actually really small in terms of the population. Right. I mean, it's dense, right? But it's, um, yeah, you still yeah. got people living on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still definitely have people on top of, on top of each other. Um, it actually like a really funny tale to tell about this that you would appreciate as a gun owner. So I organize I organize meetups, right? Um, one of my friends is a gun safety in instructor, right? We had a meetup in my apartment. Um, my apartment is tiny, so actually I, I can show you. Like, look, my bed is here. That's where the magic happens, folks. That that's where the magic happens. <laughs> I'm I am sitting at my desk right now. Like my apartment cannot fit in more than nine people. And if it fits nine people, nine have to sit in my bed, right? Right. Sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 sorry. If it fits nine people, three have to sit in 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 my bed. I have to pull my table out and then the six of the, the six of the rest have to sit around my table, right? right? So when I had a gun safety course in my apartment through my meetup with my friend that is a gun safety ins ins instructor, right? He made it a big point of um, when he taught us the course, he brought up to the fourth floor a um, 50 pound bucket of sand mm -hmm. because he really wanted to show to us there is no safe path to point a gun in my where i live no yeah pretty much an apartment it's any direction that you point it's uh, yeah. it's going to be aimed at somebody right? 
And so, and the reason that, you know, like he had dragged up so much of, like he has a lot of guns, he dragged all of them up here, right? And then, and then I was like, why are you dragging up the bucket of sand, right? And he was like, look, I'm going to prove a point that there is no safe way to point in your apartment other than the 50 pound bucket of sand. Right. It's uh, the only because, bullet stop that yeah. you got. Yeah, because, you know, and because he was like, think about this wall, people, think about this wall, people, think about this wall, yeah. people, think think about your window, basketball court, right? Yeah. And, and so like, okay, you have a point in terms of teaching people that, you know, most of the orientations here, if you shoot, be ready to kill people. Right. Yeah, they, uh, Clint Smith, who's a, uh, a, a gun trainer out in Oregon, uh, he's, he's, he kind of said it best. Every time you pull the trigger, there's a lawyer attached to every single bullet yeah. that you fire. So yeah. I, I kind of like some of the Clint-isms out there. It's, uh, he's, he had a really good one about shotguns. It was like, uh, he goes, a pistol, you're, you're putting a bullet uh, into somebody. A uh, rifle, you're putting a bullet through somebody. A shotgun, you are taking a lump of shit off of their body and throwing it onto the floor before they die. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, love Clint, I love Clint Smith so much. It's too bad that he's like a huge status uh, jerk-off. But I mean, just some of the things that he says, is you can't help but laugh at. <laughs> yeah, and, and you... And you know, like this friend that you know is he's an he's an NRA certified gun instructor, right? right? So like, and he like he doesn't when we met, he didn't know what it meant to be a minarchist, but he is a minarchist, right? He doesn't think that anarchy could work, but at the same time, he views it as his like mission to teach people how to shoot and to knock people into getting guns. And he's like, the best I could do for like for like liberty is to get people like you, right, who are like on paper good about guns, but in practice don't know what they're doing, to actually be like, okay, I will give you this, like we will do this course with me for ten bucks. We <laughs> like I will take you to the range. I will <laughs> nag you and your friends to go to the range more often. We will yes. apply. We will apply. For, for the gun, I will tell you what I will help you in choosing, you know, like sort of, um, he's like, he, we will, you know, disagree on the big picture of, oh, can anarchy work, right? But he is the most like, he's one of the most like liberty oriented people that I know because he's like, practically, you need a gun because we teach you how to use it, right? right. Yeah, even if we had achieved full Ancapistan and Libertopia or whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, you're pretty much going to be your own first line of self-defense. Yeah. Uh, sure, we can talk all day long about uh, private mercenaries and private uh, security and everything doing physical security for you. Okay, great. But still, yeah. at the end of the day, uh, at 2 or 30 in the morning when you know the glass breaks in my living room, it's going to be me yeah. getting up you know, with that stupid look on my face like, what's going on? <laughs> and and you know like I find it kind of amusing because I feel like most of my life I've dated somebody with a gun, right? But then like it took a friend to be like, you actually need to learn how to use it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because if, if your friend goes down, you're it. So yeah, yeah, right. And, and and so like I only got into like going to the range and shooting after the ammo prices skyrocketed, but that's good timing. <laughs> Yeah, you're supposed to buy the dips, not, uh, not yeah. supposed to buy when it's at the all-time high. So. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> I guess better late than never, right? 
Right. Yeah. So the, uh, it's kind of uh, funny. It's like, am I shooting your ammo or am I shooting my own ammo when I, you know, take the friends out to the range over the weekend? And then it's always like, well, you know, how about Dutch treat? I buy a box, you buy a box. We know we'll go through it together. It's like, sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Jason, uh, another great point here. 911 in my area has a 17 minute response time. Uh, Yeah. I think like the national average is 11 minutes and that's for everywhere. So, you know, when seconds count, you know, nine eleven is uh, is minutes away. Yeah. So and you know, like I, I I honestly don't know what um like we talk about this stuff, right? But like all but like oftentimes in practice, um you don't or at least I don't think that in my life I've ever thought too carefully about this stuff, which I think is maybe sad and irresponsible, but I haven't. You know, like um like even when I like lived with somebody and we had a gun in the house, like I never even bothered like I didn't know the gun lock code. Which yeah, that, that, that would have been a problem. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, thankfully, and, it never came to that. But, you know, that's, yeah, right? at the same time, you kind of think about it after a moment, and it's like, oh, no, I need that combination. I need to know yeah. what that is, just or, in case. But, 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 but also, I didn't know how to shoot, right? Right. So it was just more like, okay, like, like you know, like, he, he has a gun. And, and I don't know, like, what I would have done if somebody broke it in, like, he wasn't home, for example, you know, like, yeah. Um, and so I feel like I kind of just like fumbled a lot of my life being like, ah, somebody else will take care of it. But that's kind of not the way to think. Yeah, especially in our little liberty circles when uh, personal responsibility and everything else is kind of kind of what yeah. we're advocating for. And yeah. so yeah, uh, your own gun education is going to have to, you know, that's going to have to take yeah. a thing. And I, I, we can start quoting Lord of the Rings with uh, AON saying, you know, we learned a long time ago that, you know, if women didn't carry swords, they could e- still easily die by them. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably one of the most uh, feminist characters out there. Just saying. I need to watch Lord of the Rings and I need to read what, and I need to read Lord of the Rings. I haven't. I'm a, I'm a bad internet nerd. <laughs> yeah, they uh Tolkien definitely had some uh yeah. had some thoughts on stuff and I know kind of in his life he would say, yeah. you know, don't ascribe to anything that I'm writing about as some kind of metaphor for something else. Yeah. But I mean, you read some of the stuff in the Silmarillion, he had like an entire uh, nation of elves that, you know, weren't centrally controlled at all. They were kind of anarchists. Uh, you know, there's the some of the things with the uh with the dwarves and everything else where they literally got kicked out of their houses, you know, by a dragon. Yeah and uh everything else so yeah if you haven't read the books or watched the movies at least yeah you oh. you'll, you'll definitely pick up a whole bunch of liberty themes in them yeah. well i did watch actually i think actually i watched the second movie the two towers but i watched it the first i had no idea of, what was going on i watched it the first night of college like i'm not kidding uh, when i moved to san francisco the first night i just went to like some guy's dorm and a bunch of us went there and we just was like, and I don't remember anything from the tale of yeah. the Yeah, because I mean, you're like right in the middle of the story. You have no idea who the characters are. You don't no. know what they're doing. And, and... you can also like, you're 17, you're drunk. You're yeah, just yeah, meeting yeah. all of these new people. You just moved away from home. Like, it's your first night away from home. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. You had too much to, uh, other stuff taking up uh, space yeah. in, the, in the old and body. So I don't remember any of it. I, I should, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely got to give it a read, at least. Yeah. Because then you can be pissed like all the rest of us with Peter Jackson after you go watch the movies and you're like, where's Tom Bombadil? (laughs) Ah, okay. (laughs) 
I am good at being pissed. <laughs> yeah, it gets really it gets really fun, it's, especially when you've like read all of those books. And I'm one of those weirdos that read it once a year. So, mm -hmm. so right about uh, December, I've pretty much finished all of the trilogy and the Hobbit and everything else. So then by June, I'll be like itching to read them again. So. Uh -huh. Definitely, definitely. Tried reading them to my kids. They they both get bored with it pretty easy. So it's like, okay, well, we'll watch the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and who knows? Maybe they need more time to get into it or maybe when they're older. Yeah. And also, you got to remember, like, The Hobbit was written in, what, the 1930s, 1940s? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of written in a very old way. Everything gets, like, explained, like, down yeah. to what they're feeling and smelling and everything else and just everyone's attention spans at that point are just gone. Yeah. So <laughs> I read the Hobbit in Russian, but I don't remember any of it, to be honest with you. Hmm. Imagine reading it in Russian yeah. would probably be pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. But, but also I don't have, you know, like I don't know it in English, so I don't know how to comment on that. Right. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I guess there's always that lost in translation and who knows yeah. if you had like yeah, a like Soviet copy that has probably been edited and, a yeah, bridge and it's and also everything. like, right, you don't know what you don't know, right? So, like, you don't know what you're missing because you don't know what there was. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, I kind of had to learn German with the uh, the family and everything because uh, half of our family tree goes to Germany. So they have, like, all these old documents and everything. And uh, I found, like, an old cookbook from the 1700s. Mm -hmm. And so there was, like, well, we kind of want to make some of this stuff. And I was, like, okay, well, I'll translate. And I was, like, going mm -hmm. through it. And a lot of the time it was, like, explaining, like, after you have killed the deer in the woods, mm -hmm. this is how you clean the deer. And this is how you get the deer back to your kitchen out that was outside, obviously. And, you know, it would just go through step-by-step -step process. And I was like, actually like trying to get it down to like ingredients and instructions and everything else was just, was just ridiculous. It was like, it was like, yeah, yeah this can't be translated. There's, you would have to live at this time <laughs> in yeah. order to know what they were talking about. <laughs> it's like all of their stuff was, you know, like pinch and handful of certain ingredients and was like okay well they had smaller hands back then yeah, like, like, yeah like <laughs> what does this mean in this context yeah. right i was like yeah you're just gonna have to put these ingredients together and find out what works and that's the that's the recipe so yeah <laughs> yeah it's always kind of fun going back in those old documents and everything else so so uh what scares you most especially you know given the last couple of years um I have, so I have two answers to your question. One, so immediately what jumped up into like, I began thinking about my favorite ever horror movie. But I guess I should answer the second question. I mean, the second part first. Okay. I hope I don't get, I hope I don't get stuck in a place where I can't raise a family, right? Which is like, yeah. I, I don't think I will get stuck in a place where I can't raise a family, right? But like, you know, I, I hope I'll end up in New Hampshire with my boyfriend eventually. Um, yeah, you've been uh, talked yeah. about New Hampshire and the Free State Project quite a bit lately, so. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's, um, I think that's the future. Um, I just hope it's still an option by the time we're ready for it, you know? Um, right. Or I hope that something is an option by the time that I'm ready for that option. Um, 
yeah, it's a, it's kind of a risky proposition these days because yeah. you never know, you know, who's like trying to corrupt the kids and everything with the education system. Uh, you don't know who the neighbors are that are going to report you if the kids are outside playing with, you know, without being supervised and that type of stuff. So, yeah, yeah I, I totally get it. But um, I, you know, and I'm. I, I think that the vaccine for me is more of a principal thing than a, like, I mean, I, I think that, like, if life turns out the way, if life turns out in a way where, like, I have to do it, otherwise it'll be grave consequences, I think I should be fine. I would just feel terrible because it's against my principles, right? Right. Um, but um, I just... My family's from the Soviet Union, right? And and I feel like um, the way that things are going, they're going into a really dark place, right? And and my family moved here with the idea that we're going to escape what Russia had become. We're going to escape what the Soviet Union had been. And you're like, yep, it's rolling in the same direction, except where would I go? Like. There is nowhere else to go. This is sort of the final frontier in terms of like, well, I'll die in this country. Yeah. I just, I just hope that um, it doesn't get too bad too quickly. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think if you're moving to places like New Hampshire, Texas, yeah. Florida, these type of places, uh, at, at some points it's, it's going to be too much. And they'll just ask, it's like, no, we're going to take our ball and go home. And uh, we're not going to be part of this anymore. So yeah. uh, I would think it's it's probably going to be scary at first, but uh, sooner or later somebody's going to realize, hey, we just we can't be pushed like this too much, yeah. and we'll just have to go our own way. And I think so. like right, like I think that the big problem is that we're frogs in boiling water. And look, I I can LARP with my tyrants have address sign. Right. I can go to my local school board meeting and sit there with that sign and antagonize people and call the school nurses fat and do all of that shit, right? But yeah. um, I, I'm not going to martyr myself. I think most people are not going to martyr themselves because we all have too much to lose. And and it's a kind of the tragedy of sorry, it's not the tragedy of the commons. It's a you know collective action problem. Yeah. In that we all oh, have it's, too uh, much to the lose. bystander yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I, I, I am like, I admit I LARP, I, I'm not taking up arms against the government tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I, right. So like, I, I my, my fear is that uh, I just don't want to get stuck, but at the same time, I don't want to push things before I'm ready or, you know, before it. Right. Or like, you know, before it's the right circumstance in which to push things. Um, um, yeah, um, and I hope like my family is all in California. I hope they'll be okay too, you know, like right. I hope that my mom, like my mom would always say that when I'm ready to settle down somewhere, she will sell the house and move where I'm at. And, and so I hope that things will be okay on that end too. Um, and who knows, right? Like I just, I, I like, I, I hope you, you could still fly soon. I want to see my family, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've kind of made it a point not to do any kind of flying while the nonsense is going on. It was like yeah. a, I just went to the Tom Woods 2000 thing. Mm -hmm. I drove 12 hours to get there. Yeah. So, you know, from Baton Rouge all the way to Orlando. Um, I, I could have easily taken a flight. It would actually would have been about, you know, 50 bucks cheaper to, you know, yeah. take a flight over there and back. Uh, but at the same time, it's like. I'm not going to go through an airport with a mask on. I, I refuse. I'm not going to get onto yeah. an airplane having to wear a mask the whole time around a bunch of uh, scum, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And now we're even talking about taking a caravan up to Porkfest next year. And, you know, that's like, what, 25, 26 yeah. hours for me. Well, if you want to, you can crash at my place in Boston for a night. I'll go to my boyfriend's. <laughs> <laughs> right so i feel like I, I i will always tell this to people like i don't have room for an air mattress but i will give you my keys and i will leave for the night you know? <laughs> i'll go stay in the hotel you can you can you can take the floor <laughs> yeah no i mean yeah. like you know i mean like i you can sleep in my bed and i'll sleep in my boyfriend's bed you know yeah there you go right it, it, it so like my place is open for people going through boston but yeah like i know what you mean um yeah, so like I just hope my family will be okay and that I will be okay and nobody will get stuck somewhere. Um, but then in terms of a more fun, what scares you? Um, have you ever seen a movie called It Follows? I have actually. It's a very good, scary movie. And because uh, the pacing and uh, the jump scares were right at the right time when you needed them yeah. to be, there was uh, it would build tension and then let off that tension, you know, with like some kind of like throwaway joke or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it had a pretty good twist to it. So, yeah, yeah it was a, it's a pretty great movie. It's it's my favorite horror movie that I've seen and the scariest horror movie that I've seen. I know that like I know it sounds really basic, but like I, I am very desensitized to horror and gore. I think that when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I'm tough. I'm going to watch all of the horror movies, <laughs> right? And so I feel like it is really hard to, like, disgust me or scare me in terms of, like, how... Like, I was a little kid in the 80s. We had slasher movies. I mean, we had yeah. Freddy Krueger and Jason, so... Yeah. And I was just, like, through, like, sort of, like, I guess middle school, high school, college, I just thought of myself as like, I want to be tough and gothic and edgy and right. extreme, you know? Um, and I, um, and so I'm kind of desensitized to that, but what's so terrifying about It Follows is this idea that like something could be following you and you will never be quite sure if it's there or not. And just as parallel to like some things may have happened in your past and you will never quite know if you're done with it or not. And that there yeah. may be always something like that is damaged or broken about you that you're bringing with you into your future relationships. And right. And just like the concept of it, every time I watch it, I'm like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> it, it, it's the not knowing. Right. And the fact that you don't know what it is, I think that's the scariest part. What? Yeah, like all of the, the really good horror movies, they they uh, only kind of hint at what kind of yeah. unseen horror is going on. So that way your yeah. mind will actually kind of fill in those blanks. Yeah. Uh, the Alien movie from 1979, uh, that one did the alien really right. So you would mm -hmm. never see like the full outline of the alien creature yeah. until the very end. You know, it would yeah. kind of like. You know, it'd get like a little glimpse of something black was crawling around in the in the ductwork or whatever, and so you didn't you didn't actually see the whole thing, 
it's so uh it's like uh ridley's uh like some of his uh commentary for that was like he goes i'm gonna show you just enough for your mind to fill in the blanks and your mind will do a worse job of scaring you than i could yeah. ever show you on film so yeah which is kind of i'm like horrifying and amazing at the same time so there was a comment that we missed it was from justin right yeah he was uh he was making a joke about driving yeah. cross country you never know what weird adult book story you'll see on the side of the road in rural arkansas that has the craziest shit you've ever found <laughs> otherwise talk about That's it follows funny. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and uh, so we got another one here from Jason uh, Booth. Uh, I saw Jurassic Park at the drive-in. That was the scariest movie I saw as a kid. I saw it in the theaters. It was like, what, 1993? Yeah, and we just thought that was the best thing ever, and the uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, yeah. right at the very beginning when he ate the lawyer, we were all like, whoa, no. He just ate a guy <laughs> while he was sitting on the toilet. That's not, that's not cool, man. <laughs> I think that the scariest movie I saw when I was a kid was actually, what's it called, um, Spirited Away in Russian. Spirited, uh, the Studio Ghibli or Ghibli or whatever they pronounce it. Is that like the uh, anime? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like when the girl's parents turned into pigs and she couldn't communicate with them. Yeah. That's, like, that's, I, that's, I, I, I bawled so hard. Like, I still have like, a I can't talk to my mom? No way. Yeah. No, but, but it's like your parents are pigs and they don't recognize you. Right. Imagine this. Like, I, I don't remember how old I was, but like, the, like it was back in Russia, and it was just like, like <laughs> you know, and I just remember just bawling through that movie because I couldn't get over the fact that their parents turned into pigs. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, my uh, my five year old, when she was uh, four, she saw the movie Brave, and there's a part in there where her mom turns into a bear, and oh. that part will freak her out. She's like, I can't believe she turned into a bear. I was like, hey, yeah, yeah that, I mean, that would be scary. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there are a bunch of things, like, my, my, my parents never filtered what we saw on the TV, and for better or worse, right? But, like, there are some things from my childhood that, like, are unusually scarring, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, my parents would watch the, you know, Sopranos with me. No, yeah, I, I've got a problem. I, I grew up around that. Like I had, yeah. a, I'm like a quarter Sicilian, so th that's like the majority of the people that would hang around us. Yeah. So if I start watching The Sopranos, next thing you know, in about five minutes, I'm going to start calling it the Gabagool, and I'm going to start sounding like that. And I've got a real problem with it. So, so it's, it, it just gets, it, yeah. I have, I, I was like, I've got to limit my exposure. Yeah. <laughs> But like burnt into my brain is this image of Tony having a dream of his dead friend as a fish. Yes. Yeah. And like me just also just bawling my my heart out. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I rewatched it recently and I was like, that scene is coming up. You know? <laughs> Still kinda but, getting yeah. yourself freaked out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Justin Campbell had another one here. The ghosts and characters in that are freaky too. I guess he's referring to uh, Spirited Away. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, that movie is kind of weird, just all around. I think I watched it when I was in my twenties or something like that. It was like, it's like, man, I'm not high enough to watch this. I don't think. I really cannot bring it myself to. I cannot bring myself to watch it as an adult because I think I would get too emotional. Get too emotional with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you the worst movie to ever see while you're tripping balls. That we went to go see the movie mm -hmm. The Cell in the theater after doing a couple of tabs of acid. That was I do not, do not recommend what is that the one cell at all. About? Uh, so. 
there was a serial killer played by uh, Vincent D'Onofrio before he got all fat as fuck. And uh, mm-hmm. it had uh, Jennifer Lopez was an FBI agent, and they do this thing where they're trying to go into his dreams to find out where one of his victims may be at. Mm-hmm. And it's all takes place in like the dreamscape and everything. And there's like a part where she's like walking in on this uh, dark hallway and there is a horse just kind of standing in the middle of this Mm -hmm. thing. And like all of a sudden these glass panes come down and chop this horse into several sections and spread it apart. And while they're walking through the middle, you can see the horse still breathing and like the part, the section that's got his heart is still pumping and everything else like that. And like at the, at the moment like that, I'm like right in the middle of the throes of an LSD trip. And, And I'm just like, what is going on? I was like looking over yeah. at my friend. I was like, why did we do this? He was like, it was a bad idea. It was a bad idea. I was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> so do you see what I just wrote down for myself? I wrote down the cell. Horse, the cell, acid. yeah. Was, yes, there you go. That's, that's the best notes ever. I will remember that. Yeah. Uh, Jason had a good one. Uh, I remember laughing at this movie, actually. It's called Darkness Falls, a horror movie about the tooth fairy. He's ah. never watching it again. Yeah, that, that was a pretty good one. Although, I th- yeah, I think probably the best take on the Tooth Fairy was uh, uh, was probably Hellboy, and I think it was the second one, the Golden Army, where they had like the, to- the little Tooth Fairies in the box, and Hellboy's going, oh, well, that doesn't seem so bad. Well, he's like, no, they eat teeth right right out of your skull. <laughs> and it was like all these little creatures. And just... But that's, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I, I never... so. I never was raised with a tooth fairy because Russian culture is cheap and stingy and does not right. give you money for your teeth. Um, so I, I never experienced a tooth fairy for better yeah. or worse. I, I had to catch myself uh, when my son was going through yeah. his, uh, when he was losing all of his baby teeth and everything. It was like, all right, that's going to be a dollar. And I, yeah. I actually had to say back in my day, dot, yeah. dot, dot. It was 25 cents. And I was like, I was like, oh, I just did, I just said it. And I told him, son, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just boomered you. This is my mistake. You will get a dollar. Don't you worry it's about funny. it. <laughs> when I was little, my mom would save all of my baby teeth or all the teeth that had to be pulled out, which I thought was super cool. So like I would like, usually like like just like open the box where they were and I would look at them and look at all of my old teeth. There I, I've got like clippings of my daughter's hair i've got Mm -hmm. some of my son's teeth and i'm just thinking to myself if somebody off world had come and like studied this it was like wait they keep their children's discarded teeth yeah why (laughs) this doesn't make any sense and all these people were crazy they treated their dogs like gods and uh you know and then here they are collecting their children's teeth (laughs) so funny yeah but they do treat the dogs like gods yeah yeah oh man so good. So good. Gotta love that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. we've been going for about an hour. Uh, it's probably a good place to drop it off when we're talking about okay. children's teeth coming out of their faces and skulls and everything. Uh, Rough Birdian, go ahead and drop all your plugs. I don't have any plugs other than at Rough Birdian on Twitter. Um, and, and your apartment, just in case you're going through Boston. <laughs> yes. No, but you know, <laughs> unironically, if you are going through Boston, you can crash at my place. I will go to my boyfriend's. Yes. Uh, I would highly recommend it if you have the means. I guess I, I've seen like a good portion of it, so it, it looks cozy and comfy. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will give you my keys. You'll sleep on my bed. I I will get the keys back from you the, the next morning. Yeah, but if there's like nine people there, just remember it's it's going to be a tight fit. So yes, yes. Stay no more. more, no more than nine people. <laughs> nine very skinny people. No fatties allowed. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, all right, Masha. We'll we'll see you later. I'm gonna yeah. say uh, bye to you off the air. So uh, yes, awesome. This this was so much fun. Thank you for yeah. having me on. Ah, not not a problem at all. I love talking to my friends. All right, and there she goes, folks. Uh, so go down there, check down on the show notes. I'll have her uh, listed uh, Twitter handle up there so that you guys can go follow her and bother her on Twitter. Uh, other than that, uh, check out the other show notes because I have my uh, Cointree links and everything else. Uh, and if you are on the Twitter and enjoying Rothbardian's tweets, a good way to accompany that is with a nice hot cup of coffee. And you can get one from laurenzotti.coffee. Put in my promo code RWAC at checkout. Save yourself 10%. And any order over 15 bucks is automatically free shipping. And that's the best deal ever. So anyways, guys, thank you for uh, sticking it out with this uh, live episode. Uh, happy Halloween. It, and this will be up a little bit later of the audio stream as well. So guys, take it easy. We'll come at you next time with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out.